0: July 1937, the world's most famous woman pilot disappears during her attempt to circumnavigate the globe. In 1988, the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, a small nonprofit known by its acronym, TIGER, began a science-based investigation of the Earhart disappearance. Decades of forensic research and a dozen South Pacific expeditions have now produced hard evidence from multiple disciplines to provide the long-sought answer to the riddle. In this series of conversations with Joan Sachs, Tiger Executive Director Rick Gillespie takes us step-by-step through the adventures, the setbacks, and the discoveries that uncover the evidence that has solved aviation history's greatest mystery.
1: Hi, I'm Joan Sachs. Like many of you, I've read newspaper and magazine articles and watched television documentaries about Tiger's adventures and discoveries. As a member of Tiger, I've participated in research, and I know there's so much more to the story that's never been told. I've known Rick Gillespie and his wife, Tiger co-founder Pat Thresher, for many years, And so when Rick asked me to help him bring the -the behind-the-scenes story of Tiger's Earhart expeditions to the public, I enthusiastically agreed. Over the years, there have been 12 Tiger expeditions to the South Pacific, and we've organized the podcast into 12 seasons. The episodes in season one tell the story of the first trip in 1989. Season two deals with the next expedition in 1991, and so on. To follow the progress of the investigation, you'll want to listen to the episodes and seasons in order. For newcomers, we make it easy to catch up with these stories so far by publishing a compilation at the end of each season. Now, let's get to the next episode. Hi, Rick. In season four of the Earhart Expeditions, we talked about the dramatic events of 1997 and 1998.
2: Yeah, that was a wild time, you know. That nineteen ninety seven expedition found nothing. Ugh. And then there was a storm. We almost got killed. It had to run for sheltered water. Then we ended up stranded in Funafuti.
1: Right. Um, that was a good story.
2: But we got important new information about wreckage that was seen on Ni'kamarro by people who were now on Funafuti that had once lived on Ni'kamarro. We didn't expect that.
1: No, that was that great was luck.
2: Pure serendipity that we found them. That that was our first clue to where the Earhart plane may have gone into the water. We figured it landed on the reef, but we didn't know where on the reef, and we figured it had been washed into the ocean, but where? That was a huge question. Well, these people had seen wreckage in a certain place that indicated that the airplane may have landed on the reef on the northwestern part of the island, north of the shipwreck, and that may be where we should be looking they also said that there was uh, d- debris bits and pieces parts that were out on the reef flat and up and washed up on the beach and people picked those up and brought them back to the village but we thought well maybe there's st- still stuff there yeah. so that that was a the only real benefit from that whole trip
1: <laughs> that was a lot to go through
2: yeah then later there was the tiger member who found a file in Tarawa that confirmed that the bones story about bones being found on the island that were thought to be Earhart's this crazy story that nobody believed really was true, and there was no documentation of it. But we had to find the rest of the file. We could we could see that what we had was only a small portion of the entire file on those bones. So we knew we were gonna have to look for that. Hmm. But that set us on the trail to find that complete record. Then, <laughs> later that year, there was this crazy story about an engine that had been slung from a helicopter to take to Canton Island and taken to a dump. And maybe we could just go to the dump and get one wow. of the engines from Earhart's plane. That so, was
1: a diversion.
2: Then we put together that whole expedition to fly down to Canton and, and look for that. And of course we found that the dump had been buried under tons of coral so mm. that was a, a wash. And We were ultimately able to track down the complete British record on the bones that were found on the island mm-hmm. and, and those, those turned out to be in an obscure archive in England. And it wasn't until we asked the right question, you know, do you have any file about a skeleton, that, oh. that we were able to find the correct file. But that file had the measurements of the bones that were taken by the British doctor in Fiji, mm-hmm. upon which he based his conclusion that these were the bones of a short, stocky European male. Right. We were able to give those measurements to two modern forensic anthropologists who plugged it into the computer databases available for identifying gender and, and ethnicity and they concluded that, you know, well, these seem to be the bones of a white female ah. of Northern European extraction.
1: Hmm.
2: Well, that's a pretty good description of a millionaire yes. <laughs> yes. We ultimately made a trip to England and got copies of the, both that file and lots of other files associated with that time in the western pacific high commission so we had the context of the whole thing answered a lot of questions that we had so in the space of two years 97 and 98 we had gone from hitting bottom on this project where all we were doing was chasing rumors finding no proof of anything we thought we were on the right trail we thought we knew what happened but we couldn't prove any of it, to suddenly getting documentation of the things that we thought might be true. Yes, this really did happen. Yes, people did see this. Yes, it happened over here. Uh, we felt like we were on the brink of like, imminent success in, in solving the mystery.
1: Wow, that sounds like an exciting time.
2: It was exciting.
1: Well, you also said you were planning a big NICU 4 expedition for 2001, but new evidence made you decide to, to do another unannounced secret expedition. What was that?
2: Well, that's another one of these things that happened in this project, that something you didn't expect that changes everything. We had these aerial mapping photos that were taken in 1953. And we started looking very closely at those, having heard that there was uh, airplane wreckage seen on the shoreline in the 1950s. The people on Funaputi told us. Right, right. Okay. So we thought, well, let's go back to those 1953 aerial mapping photos and see if we could see anything in those photos. And we look at it, and sure enough, right there along the shoreline near where... Tapania Tayeki told us she saw part of a wing out on the reeflet. We saw something just back in the trees a little bit back of the shoreline that was, it might be an airplane. It was really? like this cruciform object. Not enough detail to tell whether it was, but God, you know, that could be an airplane. Well, okay. Could the rest of that airplane be on land? Uh, we didn't know that it couldn't be. I mean, it, here's a photograph that might show an airplane sitting near where the people just told us they had seen airplane wreckage. But we said, wait a minute. If the airplane is sitting there, we can't just go there and say, hey, look, here it is. Isn't that cool? Without the capability of actually doing a recovery. You can't go there and find the thing and then leave right?
1: because word, word is
2: going to get out. And there's this perception that the Earhart aircraft is worth a lot of money somehow. And you're going to have looting and it's going to be a zoo. Right. And so we've got to check out these new leads quietly. If the elector's really there... The NICU-4 expedition needs to go equipped to do a recovery. That takes a different kind of boat, different kind of equipment. Got to make all those preparations. And there was also a new possibility about where the campsite was, where the bones had been found. We had been thinking it might be where the shoe parts we found were. But we had looked at that closely and we couldn't find any other evidence of anything else being there. Now, we had the description of where Gallagher, the British colonial official, found the skeleton. And we realized that his description of the site being somewhere at the southeast end of the island, a certain distance from the high tide line, sort of what the whole thing looked like, started to sound very much like the area we had looked at in 1996 because there'd been a tank there, we were looking for a tank that we thought might be an airplane fuel tank. Turned out to be just a water collection tank. Uh Very disappointed, we dismissed it as having nothing to do with Earhart. Maybe that tank was to collect water, to supply the thorough search that Gallagher had been ordered to do for other material. Uh And we knew that because now we, we had this file. Back in 96, we didn't know that any of this had happened at all. All we had was this rumor. Now we've got proof that bones were found and a description of where they were found, and it seems to fit this area that we had dismissed. So we've got to go back there and check that out. Maybe there's stuff, maybe there are bones there. If we can find more bones that Gallagher didn't find, we can maybe get DNA, and that's a smoking gun. Wow! Yes. So we've got all these possibilities that that may solve the mystery, and we got to check this out before we, before we say anything it. about it to anybody. <laughs> so we have to do another expedition, and it's going to have to be a black expedition, another one of these quiet. <laughs> we were able to uh, charter the ship we liked yes, that had done such but... a good job for us in '97 through the storm Naya. Yeah. We put together a 12-person team, and this time we included one of our forensic anthropologists, Dr. Karen Burns, Car Burns. Ah. At the same time we were going to do this, put together this secret expedition. We're going to put a team in Fiji to see if we can find the bones that were taken back to Fiji and misidentified. Right. Maybe they're there someplace. So we had another team...
1: I mean, made it's up not the of kind our, of thing somebody would just
2: toss. You wouldn't think that they would just toss these bones. Even after they dismissed them as being insignificant, Right. M- maybe somebody kept them. But we've got to try to find them. So our senior archaeologist and s- several other volunteers went over, and they're going to see what they can find out. Mm, interesting. Chase those bones. <laughs> so off we go it was uh, july 5th of 1999
0: uh-huh.
2: we sailed from fiji aboard naya it was another rough passage out to Niku. Uh-huh. It's, it's the pacific you know it's uh, it's never easy and it was a really rough trip but we got out there arrived at, at the island on july 10th uh-huh. and it's <laughs> raining Heavy rain, and we've got to go ashore and open up our trails, cut the underbrush back, oh and it's just miserable. And you're soaking wet, and it's hot, and you're hacking through. Oh. On top of that, the water maker on the ship goes down. It's inoperative. Oh. So we're going to have to rely on just the water that's stored in tanks. Now, there's enough to get us through, if we're careful, but we're not going to be doing any laundry. Oh. That's out of the question. Oh.
1: You can shower, though, right?
2: Um, yeah, Navy showers. <laughs> the, the, way, the way the Navy shower works is you get in the shower, you turn on the water, you get wet. You turn off the water. You get soaped up. You do all everything <laughs> thing you're going to do with the soap then you turn the water back off and rinse off i that's, didn't
1: realize that's where my dad learned that
2: <laughs> that's a navy shower so, okay um, we've said a hundred times that expeditions are mostly carrying heavy awkward objects over difficult terrain and uncomfortable weather i mean that's <laughs> well, the, what an expedition it is. describes and, the mission then. and this one <laughs> this one was an expedition we get ashore we get our trails cleared it's still raining We need to set up grid lines to search for our cruciform object that might be this airplane. And in doing that, we find another grave. It's not where a grave should be, according to what we think should happen out there. Hmm. So Carr Burns wants to excavate that grave. This this could be Fred Noonan. So we go to our caribus representative and say um we got a grave over here we kind of like to dig it up and he's yeah okay go for it <laughs> okay really? good so we set about uh, excavating the grave so okay we're hacking the underbrush and laying out our grids and searching around with metal detectors and eyeballs and there's no cruciform object hmm. We do find a couple of oarlocks that uh, suggest that uh, this was where one of the Norwich City shipwreck right. lifeboats was. We knew there was one of those washed up on shore. Oh. And that could be, maybe this cruciform object was somehow associated with a lifeboat, I don't know. Hmm. But there was sure no airplanes sitting there. Right. Okay, well, they get down into the grave and it turns out to be a two or three year old child. Okay, so that didn't work out either. So nothing is going particularly well. The things that we wanted to check out are proving to be not what we hoped they were. But by this time we had satellite phones. Technology technology is catching up here. And we're able to check in with the team in Fiji to see how they're doing well they haven't found any bones either
0: Hmm.
2: but they did go to visit a woman who was living in fiji who was the daughter of the guy who had been the island carpenter
1: oh on gardner island
2: he had he had been the island island carpenter on gardner island back in 1940
1: and 41
2: okay and she was from the Ellis Islands, she was from Tuvalu, she was from Funafuti. She was now living in, in Fiji. Her name was Emily Sikuli. Now, back in 1940-41, her name was Sengalo Samuela. And the island carpenter was Temo uh, Samuela. She had been given the nickname Emily by people in Funafuti that that uh, knew her. And then when she was married, her name became Sikuli. So she was Emily Sikuli, although on the record, she was Singalo Samuelo. Okay, so they go and they they talk to Emily to see if she remembers Mm -hmm. anything about these bones because they knew that her father, the island carpenter, had built the box that the bones had been shipped back to Fiji in. And they reasoned that, well, maybe she had seen those bones. What she said was, yes, uh, I, I never actually saw those bones. I know my father built that box, but I think the bones that were put in that box were from near the airplane, uh, not, not from the other end of the island. Uh like what the, airplane <laughs> the team says we didn't say anything about an airplane what are you talking what, what airplane are you talking about She she's oh well there was a uh, wreckage or pieces of an airplane out on the edge of the reef near where the waves break north of that shipwreck I had been out with my father uh, cutting wood and he had pointed this out to me. He said, you didn't see that out there? That's, that's a part of an airplane. The fishermen who fish out there have seen it. And, and she said that, that they, they found uh, bones out there too. And I think those were the bones that, that my father built the box uh, for. Huh. Well, our team thought, Well, oh, wait a minute. We know that Gallagher found bones down the Southeast end, and that those are the bones that were put in the box. So she's just got her story messed up. But if she saw an airplane, yeah, uh, that's important <laughs> because that fits in with what everybody else is saying wow. about where that airplane
1: was. And how old was she? She was or about less... fourteen. Oh, okay, so she would.
2: Yeah. And and she left the island in uh, November of 1941 to go to nursing school. Okay. So we have a good handle. We we yeah. handle on that. We we have the records of when she was on the, when she arrived in early 1940 and de- departed late 1941. Hmm. So that all checked out. So that's really important information. Back on the Nicomaroro, well, we're very encouraged to get this word sure. that, that we've got a new witness, but we've still got to see if there's airplane wreckage somewhere along this shoreline. And the, on, the only way to search for it is to cut into this horrific scavola vegetation along the shoreline, this solid wall of underbrush. Mm. So what we did was lay out a pattern where we would tie off with bright colored surveyor's tape every 25 meters along the shoreline. And in each of those places, we would cut back in with machetes through the scabola, 30 to 40 meters. and Like a straight line? A straight line back in 90 degrees wow. to the shoreline, looking for anything that had washed up in there and had later been grown over with this stuff. And you did it every 25 meters because you could see about, that, about half that distance either side, so you've got it all covered.
1: Right. And you Just, were searching with... Uh metal detectors
2: with well we had metal detectors with us and searched well to, to the degree we could mm-hmm. but where the vegetation is that thick there's just not much you can do you, just you're look. you 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 can not get the head of the metal detector down there without cutting way more vegetation yeah. than we had time to cut so it's basically an eyeball search mm-hmm. and we're finding all kinds of stuff back in there But mostly flip-flops, plastic (laughs) debris. You wouldn't believe the junk that washes up. We found some shipwreck debris as much as 10 meters back in.
1: Really, from the North City? From the North City wreck. Oh,
2: wow. Indicating that, yeah, the storms really do push stuff back in there. But no airplane parts. And it's hot. Jeez, the temperature is routinely over a hundred degrees. Oh god! The rain has stopped. Now the sun's out. Just as we're <laughs> really having to work hard, and by like July eighteenth, we've been there a couple weeks now, doing this kind of work. People are fried. Oh. They're they're really burning out, and we decide we we don't have time to go down and inspect that site that we dismissed in 1996. It just isn't time to do that because we know the Scavola has grown up and we'd be having to cut do back in again. there. Yes. We just can't do that. That'll have to wait for the next time. So it was time to head home. Plenty we needed to do. We had un- <laughs> we had discovered another two graves oh, that no. ought to be opened up. Maybe one of them is Noonan. We're going to have to do some our grave digging when we come back so on the 20th of july we uh, we sailed back to fiji actually had a good trip back to fiji oh, yeah. relatively <laughs> calm seas good winds it was a good trip back uh-huh. meanwhile back on fiji our fiji bone search team was coming up dry they had found emily Sakuli, and that was a great yes story but Every avenue of investigation they could think of had been investigated and turned out to be a dry hole. Mm -hmm. There there just was no record of anybody ever doing anything with those bones. One of the things they wanted to do was search the hospital where the doctor worked, who had done the examination on the bones, on the chance that the bones were there someplace. But they, didn't, they couldn't get permission to, oh. to search the whole hospital, so mm-hmm. that didn't get done. But every other lead they could think of just turned out to be nothing. Uh. So when we got back, they were just leaving. we, all, we just had so time
1: all traveling separately.:
2: We were traveling separately. We, we didn't have time to say hi to them and get their in-person report. but I wanted to talk to Emily. I bet because we we had uh, a camera to videotape I wanted to get her on videotape yeah. so we made another appointment now all these connections were being made through a contact there in Fiji named Paua Tofinga. He was another Tuvaluan from Funafuti, but back during the Western Pacific High Commission days he had been sort of the office manager for the secretary of the high commission uh, so he had access to some very high level people and so he knew a lot and he was good he was very cooperative and he spoke excellent English oh. but of course he also spoke Tuvaluan and Emily didn't have much English at all she understood English pretty good but didn't even try to speak it oh. so you needed to go through the translator to well, that was interview handy. Emily so we met with Emily we set up the video camera and I asked her my own questions about this airplane and these bones and got her whole story on videotape and I asked her can you mark a place on a map where you saw this airplane wreckage out on the edge of the reef Oh yeah I can show you and we showed her this map and she said okay now and, and the, the shipwreck was marked, marked on the map. She says, so this would be the wrecked ship, right? I said, yes, that would be the... And she took a pen and she said, it would be right about here. She put a little mark on the map. Okay, now we've got a mark where somebody <laughs> saw airplane wreckage. And I said, can you make a sketch of what you saw? Well, I guess so. We turn the map over on the back. She just just draws us a, a vertical straight line and puts like a little blob on the end of it. And she said it was a long steel, like steel metal. It's really very rusty. Not good for anything. Hmm. I said, yeah, that's kind of strange. Ooh, what on an electra would be like that? But. But people said it was an airplane. Oh yes, yes. It was definitely an airplane, everyone said.
1: Did it look like any part? You couldn't uh,
2: at that time I couldn't identify it as any part. Huh. Years later, now, yeah, I think I know what part it was and it makes really? and it makes perfect sense. I think it was yeah. I think it was part of one of the landing gear. Uh, but at that time Alex says, Well, okay, you saw what you saw. Yeah. And I'm not gonna put words in your mouth. That's testimony is what it is, so we had that. After we finished with Emily, there was another person living in Fiji that I wanted to talk to that Foua Tofenga had identified as someone that might have information for us.
1: Who also lived on Gardner Island for a
2: while? She had lived on Nicomoraro, Gardner Island for a while. Uh, Her name was Osiria (laughs) O'Brien. Her father was an Irishman and her mother was Tuvaluan. Hmm. And she had originally originally from Funafuti but then she went to Sydney Island and then was on Nicomororo for a while and eventually moved to Fiji. I was particularly interested in talking to her because there was something about Sydney Island that was of interest to us. There had been an airplane crash on Sydney Island during World War II. Ah. We had heard stories about it and uh, had eventually tracked down what really happened through, I actually got a copy of the U.S. Army Air Force accident report. Oh, really? Interesting story.
1: What was it? What kind of It was a
2: C-47 military Mm DC-3 that was being ferried from the US down to the Southwest Pacific and stopped at Canton Island to refuel, as they all did, that right. was that was what they did. But these guys managed to clip a wingtip on a guy wire oh. taxiing on Canton and damaged the wingtip of their airplane. So the airplane was hung up there for a while while the wingtip was repaired. Hmm and because of that the crew got to know the other people hanging out there on on canton island okay so the airplane is now fixed it needs to be test flown before they continue their journey to the southwest pacific and they say well what are we going to do let's fly on down to sydney island just it's it's a trip it's a couple hundred miles we'll fly down to sydney and uh, anybody want to go along well, there were two guys who were USO performers. Oh. One guy was like a juggler, the other guy was a comedian. <laughs> and, yeah, we'll ride along. And so they take off and they go on down to Sydney and they buzz the island. And Ooh. they're they're just, you
1: know, hot So they didn't intend to go there and land. They were just
2: going to No, go there's there. no place to land on yeah. Sydney. They're oh, just okay. going to go down there and look at the uh, Well, he decides to... Uh, to beat up the island, you know. Now, okay, I've I've flown a DC three, and it's fun to beat up something with a DC three. <laughs> it's a big airplane. You don't get to do that kind of thing very often, but it's not smart. I was gonna say
1: you probably shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't <laughs> right. do that.
2: And they ended up clipping a palm tree.
1: Oh, geez. And
2: cleaned off one wing. The airplane rolled over, crashed oh. into the lagoon exploded, oh. burned, no, everybody's no. killed. Right. And, of course, there was all this wreckage that was never recovered. The, right. the Air Force went there and investigated, but you couldn't recover anything. And we knew that the local people on Sydney used those pieces of aluminum mm-hmm. uh, for local purposes. That's that's what you do in a metal support culture. And some of that probably ended up on Nicomararo. So we needed.
1: It probably ended up there being carried there. Oh, no, well, it had, had a, yeah, s- yeah.
2: People say, oh, we're, yeah. we're going to move over to Nicomororo and uh, we'll we're, we're these... going to take our medal with us. Yeah. So that's likely how. How
1: far is Sydney Island from Nicomororo? Eh, a couple hundred miles. Okay. Yeah, things are so within a moving it's, range.
2: It's with a reasonable range. But Osirio O'Brien was from Sydney. And so I wanted to talk to her didn't speak a word of English, mm. but Fogutfinga is gonna be there as a translator. And she's living in this little house in, in Suva, and, uh, a million grandkids around. Oh. And, and we go in there and she's sitting on the floor. And as we walk in, she begins to sing to us.
1: Really? Wow. And
2: I just Nano,
1: to
2: own
1: what, what was she singing? Did it have words or did
2: she was, oh it had words oh, no. and they're in Tuvalu and so I didn't know what right. she was saying. But it was a haunting tune.
0: Interesting. And I,
2: I asked asked her afterward, asked Faua to ask her what it was. It's a hymn
1: ah. Uh, did it surprise him that she didn't he that? didn't
2: he didn't seem surprised. Oh
1: interesting.
2: I mean, this is apparently just the way he, she greets people you That's
1: know it's a nice welcome Well, yeah i was I, I was it's a i nice
2: was, <laughs> i was touched Aww. but i asked her about her time on uh, nicomororo and i asked her if she knew anything about the airplane that crashed on sydney she said oh, yes i was there oh i saw it happen oh my she said one of the men lived for a while but he died. Wow. And that was actually in the Army report that uh-huh. one of the crew had, uh, had survived for a short time and was treated by the people on the island, but, <clears throat> but he died shortly. Uh,
1: what happened?
2: Well, she said, she said uh, how, how did she put it? She made a gesture toward her eye she said, a bird, boom! Uh, and like hitting herself on uh, the eye. She said, a, a, a bird.
1: Like a bird hit their windshield?
2: I, th- <clears throat> I think what she meant is they had a bird strike. And uh, on the was windshield. that in the report? No, no. Interesting. Of course. You wouldn't know. I mean, the, no, the evidence of such a thing would probably not be in a survive that crash. but very understandable uh those islands all have frigate birds and boobies around the island and they would be stirred up
1: by somebody buzzing the airplane
2: and you you take a booby or a frigate through the windshield yeah yeah yeah, it's going to ruin your whole day (laughs) so that was really interesting yes interesting interesting experience She really had no recollection of, of bones or airplane wreckage on oh. That so that she she was not able to help us that way. But it was uh,
1: still very interesting. Very interesting
2: uh, interview. When we were ready to leave Fiji, we went to the airport as we always do with all of our gear. The thing you have to understand about Nandi International Airport in Fiji is for a fully loaded 747 which is what we're in. It's a one-way runway. The runway in one direction goes out over the ocean and mm-hmm. the other direction there's high terrain off the end of the runway. Oh. And with a fully loaded 747, can't climb like even that. if you have a little bit of a tailwind you use the the runway that goes out over the ocean wow. okay we didn't know this
1: i hope your pilot did
2: oh the pilots knew what we didn't know is that when they have to do that they lighten the airplane as much as possible and our baggage wasn't put on the flight oh no and all
1: of your baggage was not put on the flight no they don't say that
2: no they didn't tell us that
1: do they make provisions to ship it later
2: yeah they'll they send it on the next flight they can get out the, where the going wind's the going the right. right way so we get to Los Angeles and oh your bags will be in such-and-such and, such and we'll forward them on to you oh my. great okay <laughs> well when that happens when you're not there to walk your own bags through customs and immigration, mm-hmm. they open all your bags and inspect everything. Oh. And they will take things out to get a better look at what you have in there. Mm-hmm. And they don't always get things back in the right bag because there's stuff laying around. And it turns out, we find this out later, we had shot, oh roll after roll of, of videotape, little cassettes on Nicko, mm-hmm. d- during the expedition, our camera guy. And I had taken that whole case of uh, video cassettes, and I had put it in the end compartment of one of our duffel bags. Yeah. I got home when the bag finally arrives. And it's not there. Oh, no. I said, I know I put this in here. What ha- what could have happened to. Oh. Well, that's what happened. Uh, that's the only thing we, we could figure. Oh, jeez. That somebody in customs had taken that out, and then where we put it back, he probably put it in somebody else's oh, back.
1: jeez. What about the, the the videos of the interviews?
2: Those I had with me. Oh, good. The good. the, the vid- yes. Boy, the videos I, I had with me in my briefcase because those were done at the end of the trip. Yeah. And the stuff that we shot on Niku oh. was packed away. Wow. And so do oh. you
1: always carry all of the? Data from, with me from, now. <laughs> from yeah, then on? from then on, oh, I a, never
2: let that stuff out of my sight. And the cameraman is still not forgiven me for <laughs> for that because <laughs> he he worked his butt off oh, getting that really, tape, and must have been so we lost it ah. So frustrated. Hmm. So not that there was anything on it of some vital artifact that we found. There but was a still, lot of
1: it's a documentation. Uh, of the
2: trip. A lot of videos some hard-fought Scavola whacking. Yes, <laughs> but. Um, Maybe you don't want to visit that. (laughs) We don't have it. So, yeah, that was uh, the one last adventure on what turned out to be the NICU 4P expedition. Ah. Okay. Now we we need to plan this next expedition. We're going to go back out there. We've got that set for September of 2001. Now here it is, um, 99. We got a couple of years to yeah. do this, and we're going to want to plan a detailed search of that site that we dismissed in 1996, where we found the tank that might be where the bones were found, and where we might be able to find bones from which we can get DNA. So we're going to want to be prepared to do a good search of that. And then we got a couple more graves to dig, right. so we're going to need Car again. She's going to need to come back with us. Hmm. And what
1: do you do with them when you're finished?
2: Bones? Yeah, well, we put them back. The, if, they, so if they turn at, out after she's looked after, after them, she's looked know. for them and pronounced them to be something that's not Amelia Earhart, obviously, we restore the grave as well as we possibly can. Ah. Now we we take this stuff very seriously. Yeah. I, yes, I, as I, as I don't we're... like digging up graves, <laughs> and uh, you truly try to be as respectful as possible sure. when you're doing that and we want to do an underwater search of a ledge that we know is just off that western edge of the reef that's going to take divers right and now, we're not going to be able to go real deep but we can go down to hundred 120 feet anyway we're gonna need a, a dive team right and we're going to need uh, naya because Naya is set up to support divers, right. and we know they do that well. And then we want to do an underwater search of the lagoon bottom inside the main passage because we've got this evidence that suggests that wreckage from the airplane washed across the reef flat and in through that main passage oh. into the lagoon And there's this big delta of soft sand just inside the mouth of that Hmm. lagoon passage where things would tend to get caught. So we need to do a good metal detector search of that area and the lagoon bottom immediately beyond that. So we we got lots to do, and we project that the cost is going to be in the neighborhood of $300,000 to do this.
1: Not a little bit.
2: Uh, And as usual, we have no idea where the money's going to come from. <laughs> hmm. We did get the money. And the way that funding came about is truly weird. It's one of the strangest stories in this whole strange, weird project.
1: So what ha- like what
2: happened? Well, How did that work? <laughs> we're going to talk about that next time in episode one of season six The two thousand one expedition.
1: Okay, well we will look forward to hearing about that.
2: I'll look forward to telling that story (laughs) because it's a great one. one. (laughs) Thank you, Rick. (laughs) Thanks, John.
0: Thanks for listening. The Earhart Expeditions is a serial history of Tigers' twelve expeditions to the South Pacific. We release a new episode each Tuesday. You can receive special bonus episodes and get access to Tigers extensive video library by becoming a premium subscriber. Just go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search on Tiger, T-I-G-H-A-R. You can also be a part of the adventure and participate in research. Go to tiger.org and click on Join Tiger. See you next Tuesday.